What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to you, Matthew Kobach, who's the Director of Content Marketing at Fast. And as you can tell, today's a different type of episode. We are not talking to, to an early, early stage founder. We are talking to a seasoned marketer about how he thinks about marketing in startups and kind of taking us through kind of his journey of how he's gotten to where he's at and how he thinks about marketing for startups. The main reason for this episode is I, I look up to, and a lot of people look up to Matthew um, for what he does in marketing. And I think that um, there's a lot to learn uh, from, from his experience and how, how he approaches things. So Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Love talking about marketing. So uh, looking forward to this. Awesome. Um, so I think to start, just to give a little context, some people may know who you are, some people may not, but just if you want, you know, in like as, as long or as short as you want, if you can give just like kind of a, a little background on you, um, kind of your, your sh maybe short-ish journey into marketing, and then we will mm -hmm. kind of dive into different areas and things you've learned and things like that. But who are you? How, how do you, like, how do you get into content marketing? <laughs> yeah. How did I end up on this podcast with you? Um, so I think it goes back to, I got a graduate degree at Indiana University and it was in uh, the effects of communication. And I decided I wanted to do a PhD and this is 2008. Uh, it was like right when social media had started taking off. And so I decided I was going to be like the social media expert in academia. It's going to let people know how it affects people and, and how to, you know, how you could use it best. And uh, so I did that for a few years. And it turned out like that was it was an interesting idea. Um, I would have been kind of the, the first person in the field doing it or one of the first. Uh, but it was moving so fast, it was hard to study. So it made it kind of difficult to keep up like it was, uh, you know, it was almost too early. So I had decided to uh, take a job with a marketing analytics firm. What they would do is look at social media data, and then they would uh, take that data both qualitatively and quantitatively and give it to brands and movie studios. Uh, doing that, I saw a lot of social media content that was really, really bad, especially for brands. And I thought I could do this, which is actually probably a good slogan for my life. Like I was, I feel like I've always been a little too stupid or too naive to not know I could do something. Uh, so I just, you know, kind of thought, yeah, why not? I could start a marketing firm. And so I did that. I worked with local businesses um, and was able to create content that worked outside of different um, areas. So you could make one piece of content and sell it to um, someone in a different city where they don't compete. And then I uh, did that for about a year or so and decided I wanted to try my hand at doing it for a business. Uh, and actually, I, 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 to be frank, I, I didn't quite care for some of the other parts that went into owning a business. 
Um, I, I found out when I was doing this, I really loved creating marketing and I really hated accounting and I really hated forming an LLC and I really hated taxes and I really hated chasing people for payments. Uh, so I was like, let me just try to focus on what I can do full time. And, and also I hated not having health insurance. Sound, sounds silly, but like, I was like, let's go somewhere where I don't have to worry about this. Uh, so found a job at a company called Intercontinental Exchange. They are the parent company to the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, they're based in Atlanta. So I was working on all their exchanges, the, the content for all their exchanges. Uh, they own, God, they probably own like 30 or 40 different kind of business units or, um, you know, different kind of segments. And did that for two years in Atlanta. And then finally pitched them on the idea. I was like, let me move to New York. I'll, do, I'll focus primarily on the New York Stock Exchange or more than New York Stock Exchange because social media could really move the needle the most there. Uh, so did that for four years and um, had some levels of success. And then part of my job at the New York Stock Exchange was to pitch founders and CEOs to list their stock on the New York Stock Exchange. And so I kind of got this taste for like this founder life for this, uh, you know, uh, these people who had taken an idea and built it to something that was substantial enough to take public on a major exchange. And so I wanted to be on the other side of that table. I wanted to see what it was like, see if I could do it. So I started looking for startups that I thought had a lot of potential. Um, I, I wanted something that was like early enough where I could kind of help shape it and be part of that ride. Um, but wanted something that scaled, wanted a charismatic founder, wanted something where um, I, a lot of people could use it and benefit from it. And I think it, I think I was looking for like two years before I found Fast. Um, found Fast, reached out to the co-founder, um, just had a kind of a quick conversation with them back in 2019 and ended it with, if you ever need help marketing, just let me know. And uh couple months later, he said, Hey, Matt, I need help marketing. And, uh, and I think I was, I think I accepted the job within like a couple hours, to be honest. Uh, and then here I am, that was about six, seven months ago. Uh, we've launched our core products since then. Um, you know, and right now we're in the process of onboarding as many sellers to our product as we can and making sure that the product is flawless and works well and, you know, works better. Um, we're kind of always improving it and just letting the world know that like, this is a better way to shop and this is shop online and, um, uh, you know, hopefully get as many people as we can excited about this product. Well, I can say from my perspective, just on the last thing you said, you're doing a a, um, a very good job getting a lot of people excited. At least, at least in my in my corner of the world on the internet, you know, you know what what you've done with fast and, and the content marketing is incredible. But I don't really want to start there. I want to start with okay. something you said, like like a few minutes ago. Um, you know, before kind of all all of these journeys where you said, you know, something that I I realize is. I can do more than I think I can do. Like you, you mentioned something, something along those lines of, of, of you, you know, when you put yourself in crazy situations, you like kind of figure it out. Can you kind of walk through, can you just dive a little deeper into that? Cause this is one of the most important parts of entrepreneurship. And I do, we're going to talk a lot about content marketing here, but I think just people hearing from, from, from you and from your journey, um, you know, that mindset of yours, I think would be really cool. So can you expand on that? Yeah. So I think if you're an entrepreneur, and you're listening to this, I think you kind of know it and you live it. When, if you think too hard about something, you think about all these reasons why you don't have the expertise or why you can't do it. And if you're kind of too stupid to know you can't do it, you just go for it and you learn along the way. You know, it's, it's what is it, assembling a plane while you're going down or a parachute or whatever that uh, analogy is. Um, and so that's just kind of what it's been my whole life. 
it's not that I have some like grand vision of my own confidence or that I think I'm super capable. I think I'm capable enough. I think that like, yeah, you give me a problem, odds are I'll solve it. I might not, but I'm, I'm going to try to solve it. And I think that's the attitude that a lot of founders have and a lot of, um, you know, people that maybe aren't founders or aren't kind of called to that, that they lack. They just kind of, they come up with 10 reasons why they shouldn't do something as opposed to, you know, I don't come up with 10 reasons why I should. I just don't come up with those 10 reasons why I shouldn't. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have started a, uh, like I wouldn't have started a PhD program if I, you know, knew all the reasons I shouldn't. In hindsight, that's something I shouldn't have done. <laughs> I'm, a ha- I'm a very happy, satisfied dropout. Um, but, you know, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to start a business and you just learn all this stuff. I didn't, I, I had never worked in corporate America before I took that job. So I didn't know what I didn't know there. Um, and I didn't know I, you know, what, what it means to market for a startup versus, you know, fortune 500 company. Um, so by not knowing these things, it seems like it's a strength. It seems like it's worked out for me because when you, know what you don't know you kind of get a little paralyzed at how hard it is but when you don't know what you don't know you're stupid enough to go try it and one thing i found at least this has been true in my life is like that's half the battle to success maybe even more so because as soon as you try you've now eliminated 90 percent of the competition like the just by building something you're building something that other people aren't building so it, it just seems like a great way to to live your life, honestly, is, you know, build what you don't know you can't build. And kind of following down that thread. So for your career, you know, at some point you decided that you, you know, you kind of got into social media. You think it was a little earlier, but you kept kind of going down this path of exploring and then getting into content marketing, starting an agency, then, you know, New York Stock Exchange, and then you know, kind of the path that you just outlined. I'm assuming that throughout this time, you started off, not as good as you are now you got you got better over time how did you balance the dynamic of learning but also realizing like in the beginning you probably you weren't as good as you are now like I guess over time could you have a few lessons on how you've learned to be better while balancing the fact that you're just learning on the job in a professional environment yeah a little bit about it in working in social media and content is that feedback is quick People will tell you that they like or don't like something and, and the analytics tell you if they like or don't like something. I always kind of laugh when there's people at, um, you know, startups or even kind of mid-sized to even large businesses that get super into the weeds on social media analytics because there just isn't enough data and there isn't enough like of a, of a sample that these little minor differences matter. So, you know, if you're Google changing the color of a button from, you know, shade of blue one to shade of blue two might all of a sudden result in, you know, millions of uh, people behaving differently. But if you're a startup and and you've got, you know, a small amount of customers, you can't like a 0.1% increase in anything doesn't do it for you. You need to 10X, 100X, 1000X. And so uh, when, when you're in social media, it's really easy to tell this one was ignored. No one cared about this. And this one, 100,000 people saw. So I'm on to something there. And I always kind of had that mindset of my goal as a marketer is to tell as many people as possible. Other people might have different goals than me as marketers. That's fine. Mine is in terms of social media, it's impressions. It's how many people are seeing my brand and seeing our content. And that's really my North Star. 
if more people see it, I'm doing good. If less people see it, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, it, the more niche you are, probably the more that that changes. But I, I'm not even necessarily sure that that's the case. Um, you know, even if you're niche, what wouldn't it be great if everyone, even outside of people within your industry, knew about you? Like that just seems like a competitive advantage. So it's a really easy North Star. You make stuff. Did more people see it than the post before? Um, you know, and, and you consistently post and you go back over a day or, a, or sorry, not a day, but like a month or, you know, a quarter. And you're like, what are our most popular posts? How do we recreate those while staying true to our brand? And that's always just what I've done. And, you know, you get better and better and better when, when you do that, when you look at it that way. Okay. So you've been accumulating this experience. You've been accumulating this knowledge and these feedback loops and, and, and it, this converges with, with getting a job at fast or, you know, getting a, a lead, you know, the head of content marketing job at fast. Um, as you, you know, in the first day, even, or the first couple of days, how do you think about, how did you think about um, fast as a, you know, not client, like it's a company you worked for, but like, this is a, a very quickly growing startup. Like, how do you think about doing your job in the very, very, very beginning? What was the first 30 days look like for you as you get into that company? It was, it, it, the first 30 days I realized, and I probably knew this beforehand, uh, marketing for a brand that no one's ever heard of or, or a company that's still, you know, relatively young is completely different than marketing for a company that has an established brand. So this idea of there's that zero to one, and then there's one to infinity. And so what I've been doing is I've been on the, you know, one to infinity side, like everyone had heard of the New York Stock Exchange, uh, even the parent company, even though they weren't like a consumer name, they were still a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. So it's not like uh, people hadn't heard of them. And so the way that you treat that is very different than when you need to get people to know about you for the first time and to start all of a sudden attributing some attribute or, you know, associating your brand with certain attributes. And so within the first 30 days, it was kind of a little bit of unlearning what I had done in the past. And not that those aren't important tools to have or important skills to have, but they just weren't applicable to what I was doing now. So I had to actually go back to my original days when I opened up a firm where it, it was local businesses that people hadn't heard of. You know, it was like a dentist office or it was a chiropractor or something like that. And so I had to kind of, you know, unlearn the past six years and then relearn what I had done before then. And so that was really th the biggest difference when I started. It's like, all right, what does it mean to build a brand, not to extend a brand, not to keep a brand, you know, warm in people's minds? but to start from scratch. And so that's what I really spent the beginning at. And to be honest, we're still doing. Like we're, we're I, I'm in meetings and exercises and creating campaigns where we're still defining who we are and what we want to stand for and what it means. Uh, it's super exciting. We've got some, we've got some crazy things coming. Like that's the other part that's a lot of fun too is fortunately we are a brand that, I shouldn't say a brand, we're a company that isn't afraid to take some chances, isn't afraid to do things differently and doesn't want to do things the way that they were done before, just because that's how they were done. So um, uh, I'm excited. We've got some cool things cooking here. So I want to dig into one thing. This is like very knowledgeable for me. And I think everyone listening would be interested. So you, you mentioned just passively almost like it's second nature to you that you 
once you start marketing fat or you started marketing fast um, in a way that there were certain attributes that were like kind of tied on to fast. Um, this is, this is a kind of a, you, almost, you think you'd understand this, but I, this is something I haven't thought much about. This is really mm -hmm. interesting to me. How, can you dive into that? And what exactly do you mean? And why does that matter at this stage? Like kind of do like a, like a brand education for us, you know, at, at the early mm -hmm. stages of startups. Certainly. So we want to, so there's two kind of sides to this too. So the way that fast works for anyone who's not familiar, um, we're an online identity company. And right now we're helping to solve uh, payments. So like our core product or our flagship product at this moment, one click checkout, uh, really the simplicity that you have on Amazon, have it on any, any website, which means we've got a two sides of, of the transaction that we have to market to. So we need people who sell stuff online to put the button on, but we also need people who buy stuff online to click the button. And so we decided early on that we're going to use our organic social media to hit the second side of that equation. It's the, it's the people side. It's the consumer side. We just kind of figured there's a much bigger ocean to go after if we use our social media for the organic side. And, uh, and we still sprinkle in some seller stuff, but we do our paid ads that way. And so when we're thinking about the buyer side of it, the people like me and you who just want an easy way to check out, we started thinking about like, what does that mean? And, and what do we want people to think when they do it? So we actually wanted to bring some joy back into online shopping. Um, you know, it's, it's great when you see that product that you love and that you want, and then it is annoying. It is a hassle when all of a sudden you're like, oh, then we need my credit card and all that other information. And there's no, you know, simple way to do it. And so the first thing we wanted to do was hit that pain point that like, this is a broken system that we're putting up with for some reason. So we wanted people to know that we were a solution to this. So one, we're kind of building a community around this problem. And that seemed to really resonate with people. And then we decided that we want this process to be fun, to be simple, to be easy. And so we're like, all right, let's have a fun account. Like there's no reason we can't have fun social media. Um, and so we started diving into that. That means it was more casual. Like we wanted, we want to put, kind of this human element back into to the internet. And I know that sounds probably a little pie in the sky or, you know, whatever, but we realized that like so many, like the internet and websites are built for businesses. They're not built for like people. It's not like how we actually use it. The, the websites you go to already know all this information about you. And then when it's time for you to actually benefit from them knowing your information, they kind of like forget. So let's do this thing where we put like, you know, we're, we're focusing on the people using it as opposed to like mining our data for some other purpose. And so when you realize that we are trying to be a little more human on the internet, then that changes the tone that you talk in. It changes how you write. It changes how you uh, express yourself. And so we want to be conversational. We want to have that familiarity of like you're talking to a friend. And there's times where we write stuff and we're like, no, nah, that's too press releasey. That's too marketing. Um, and we certainly have ads that are kind of like that, but when you see us in organic social media, it's casual because we want people to think of our brand that way. Um, and, and like I said, we want it to be fun. So we're not afraid to have a little fun. And right now we're trying to dip our toe into this idea of being bold or going fast. Um, 
people are kind of telling us that they like going fast. They want to wear our hoodies and whether, and what we don't know, like we're still figuring this out. We don't know if they want to go fast because they identify with our mission of, you know, making the internet easier to use. Maybe they identify with our kind of build in public persona and they want to be a part of it. Or maybe they just like the word fast. And <laughs> I don't know that we care. Like what, whatever one of those is resonating with you, let's figure it out. Let's be bolder. Let's go bigger. So we're actually kind of reimagining what our hoodie can be. And we're going to, we're, we're kind of thinking about like how we make this an out of home advertising strategy and, uh, and just dig deeper into it. And it's a bold, like, so that you can imagine it. We've got some bold branding on it. We've got some, um, uh, you know, a, a bold story behind it that I'm currently writing that I was writing before I got on with you. So it's kind of like, what are the emotions? What are the feelings you want people to take away when they see our brand? And then figuring out how to create content that instills that. So I'll give my op opinion on something because I'm someone that mm -hmm. I've, been, I've consumed your content, like fast content um, for, for since the beginning. And like I, I, I've known Dom, you know, since from like the, fir the first round. And there's something, you know, what attracts me to the content and just what fast is doing is it appears to me, and this could be wrong, but it's my perception. So it's not, it can't be totally wrong. Is that like yeah. Dom's just this, this, this guy, you know, who just came out of nowhere from, with all this energy and skill and talent and like spunk and whatever else you want to describe him and just kind of ripped through this, the system, like just like kind of crushed it. And there's, uh, you know, th this podcast is a dynamic of like insider outside. Like I'm, a, I'm kind of an outsider. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. And there's like tons of outs, like, like, like the, the world is mostly outsiders. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but there's like a small group of insiders that control most of how things work. And I think that like, the reason I like fast is it kind of seems like, you know, you guys are building a world-class companies, but you're just like cool, dull people that like you're outsiders. Right. But in the coolest way, and I think your brand um, is bring, I think in my opinion, you know, just one person, I think that it's, that speaks to a lot of people. You're a normal brand, you're normal people building a great company. And a lot of people want you to fail, which is great because even more people want you to succeed. Um, so it's, uh, mm -hmm. that's just, um, but that it was kind of going on top of what I just said, going back to a question, um, you mentioned that like the, the metric that you gauge for success, um, is impressions. Um, mm -hmm. this, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on this and there's no fact. It's just dep depends on your company, but like, why not clicks? Why not like, why not like, um, why not something else? Why impressions? Why is brand awareness more important than maybe like conversions or how does that relate to your strategy? Something a little more softer. Yeah. The, um, I have an issue with clicks and, and data and stuff here. Here's my, I'll get on my soapbox for data. Uh, Digital data kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes because we optimize for what we can measure. And I think we, and I don't necessarily think we can measure the things that are most important. And so that's why I really like impressions. Like impressions is this vague kind of number that tells me more people are seeing this, more people, it seems to be resonating with more people. The way that I understand algorithms to work means that people are responding to it. And that seems good to me. Um, clicks are fine. I, I've got nothing against a click, but it just, I don't think it really takes into account how people actually use the internet or how people actually consume ads. Um, it, it, it measures this one very specific time in your relationship with a customer. And I just don't know. And when you optimize for that one, all of a sudden you start missing maybe the 10 steps that came before it. And I, that's what bothers me about it. 
And, uh, and I think social media and digital media and marketing in general, I focus too hard on these little things that you can measure. That's like the it, A exactly went to B. And when you focus on that, you're losing all the other beautiful stuff that happened before it or after it or above it or below it or around it. And that stuff's hard to measure and it's not quite black and white. And uh, there was like a famous saying, and I think it goes back to like the sixties or seventies and I don't remember who said it, but it was essentially 50% of my marketing budget is wasted. I just don't know which one. And it's almost like we've decided, all right, we need to get hundred percent of it working at hundred percent capacity. And when we did that, we, we accidentally threw out some of the 50% that was working. And so I want to go back to that. And, uh, and so that's why, to me, that's, that's what's really important is uh, I, I want to create a brand where if we turned off our advertising, we still sell. Like that's a good brand. Coca-Cola could stop selling tomorrow or stop advertising tomorrow and sales wouldn't be affected. They'd be affected in six months, 18 months, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever the number would be. And I think too many marketers focus on, we're doing ads for this click, for this small little space. And when you do that, you're not really building a brand. You're building a behavior and hoping to catch someone. I shouldn't even say you're building a behavior. It's, it's you're like ringing a bell and hoping that they respond. Uh, and, and you're doing it for this very specific time where you're hoping you're catching them exactly when they need, a, you know, whatever it is, the product that you need. And, and instead it's like, I, I want to do some things where, um, there is no call to action. You know, I don't need you to do anything right now. I just want you to know who we are. I want you to feel a little warm and fuzzier about us because I'm, I'm thinking about this long term. I'm thinking about this. When you see our button and our brand in the wild, I want you to go, oh, I know them. I remember that. I'm excited to use that. I want to tell my friends about that. And by creating content that doesn't ask people for anything, I think we're building to that behavior. And so right now it's almost like I'm shaking a soda can and I'm just waiting to unleash it. And the unleashing it to me is once it's everywhere and on a, you know, a critical mass of, of websites and people just want to tell everyone and people want to wear hoodies. And, you know, like I, I assume the people that have the fast hoodie now, it's like your, you know, your favorite indie band that we, you know, obviously our goal is to go mainstream and not be an indie band, but we want those like collection of people who were like, I saw them back when it, you know, it was just a small club and it was only a hundred people. Like that's the, the kind of mindset that we have. And so I don't want anything from any of our customers right now. I just want them to like our brand. Like that's it. Steve Jobs has a quote um, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, I don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. I smire heart. I hire smart people so they can tell me what to do. Like pretty much get out of the mm -hmm. way. Tell me about this dynamic with you and Dom. You don't have to give me super details, but he, he's a superstar. Mm -hmm. He's who he is. Um, but yeah. like he hired you and you're a superstar too. How, how have you kind of found the balance between making sure his vision and, and, the, and, the, and the kind of the, the vision for the company is what it is, but you kind of taking your skill set for the last decade or more, you know, and, and doing your thing, um, you know, to, how do you work when there's two superstars in a room? Yeah, I guess is a question. Yeah, the, uh, I think a good, uh, honestly, it was vetting. Like we had a conversation before I started and I said, you know what, this is my, this is what I would do. And so before I'd ever put in one second of work for the company, we were aligned on what the vision was. And he's, and also too, it's a bit of luck like in terms of like both of our personalities working. Um, there might be some people who are control freaks or some people that want to like micromanage things. 
Like that is just not his personality. And so he was very happy to go. I am so happy to fire myself from this position and give it to you. And the fact that he trusts me, you know, completely certainly gives me more freedom. And to be honest, I, when you said that first 30 days thing, like, what did I learn? Um, I think I had too many restrictions on myself in terms of a marketer. I think I had gotten a little too used to playing it safe. And so I'm still trying to like, you know, strengthen those old muscles back up and to do kind of unique, crazy things that, you know, get attention and, and make big splashes. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it wasn't ever an issue. And, and in fact, if anything, I think I'm the one holding us back. He always has these big grand ideas and I'm, you know, I'm going, well, let us, let me get this like small basic idea right first. And then we can go do the kind of crazier, bigger things. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's just a, you know, I think it's just who he is. Uh, he's very supportive and, um, you know, like, I think he knows that he hired and not just me, but like the people he hired, like he, he hires them because he trusts them and he's got other, um, you know, things on his plate that he just can't dedicate the time to this. Even, even if he, I think he is good. I think he's a great natural marketer. I think some people have it inherently. Um, I don't think I do. I think I had to learn it, but I think he was kind of born with it. And so um, he does have a lot of great ideas. And if anything, it, it ends up be, me being like this vessel to kind of collect them and then to like put them together and say, all right, this is how we actually take what your thought is and turn it into something that, that makes sense for us to, to market. So startup culture is something that you don't understand, I think, until you're in it. Um, like, it's such a weird part of the world. I think it's going to get bigger. I think startups are the future in, in a way that no one even realizes yet. But in, for now, you don't know what startups are until you are part of a startup or you found a startup. What have you learned um, from entering the, this this side of the world of, of, of early stage tech, you know, venture capital, things like that? Like, what have been some things that have surprised you or you've learned along um, the journey, you know, the short journey, hopefully very long journey with Fast? So a couple things. Uh, that I've noticed that I did not know before. One is how important hiring is and how difficult it is. Uh, I had this thirst to join a startup. So I was an easy sell. I just wanted to find the right company. Uh, what I found is, and this isn't just fast. I have startup founders reach out to me all the time and say, hey, I want to hire you know, our version of you. Who do you recommend? And it's tough to find, not because there aren't a million people like me or tons of people that have the same skill set or similar set that I do. It's that they have a nice job that they don't want to risk going to a startup. So the fact that so many people were risk adverse was something that I did not appreciate, that I did not understand. And, um, and I completely get it. I understand why. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have any kids. I don't have a family. Um, it, it's easy for me to be a little more heavy on the risk side of it. Um, the other thing that I did not really appreciate about startups was when you're in it and you have a business the, the like the whole world's your oyster, like it's, there's so much opportunity. It's like, that's a good idea. And 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 it's so easy to want to chase every single one of them. And you just have to say, no, it's like, you've got all these good ideas and you've got to hope that like, all right, let me, all these ideas are like an 8.8 .8 out of 10. And let me go after the 8.9 idea. And it's hard to sometimes determine or distinguish between an 8.9 and an 8.8. .8. Um, but that's certainly hard. And it, it's the case with marketing. Like we have so many cool ideas and so many fun ideas, but we got to just be, um, you know, we, we've just got to say no to some of these ideas so that we can really hone in on one idea and do it right. 
And kind of winding down with a lot, lot last question or two. Um, mm-hmm. I am a start hypothetically, I am a startup founder. I just raised mm-hmm. a million bucks from a great VC and, and she's like, Hey Matt, you know, time to hire your first content marketing hire. Um, how should founders, um, even, you know, from your perspective, um, they have money, they, they can think about content marketing. They're one person or they're two people. How should founders of the earliest stages think about um, hiring for the role or thinking about content marketing and maybe adding on to that to make the answer maybe even a little more complicated is like, how, how can they expect this to like change as the company gets bigger? Um, almost just planting expectations for the earliest stages of founders. I, if I was hiring a content and I just started out and it was like, I knew this was going to be a very you know, possibly a lucrative channel for us. I would find people who are making content. I would, I don't care what your degree is. I don't care if you graduated. I don't care. I care what you've done. And so, and I I don't care if you've been making funny videos that have nothing to do with my brand, like that's fine. You've shown the ability to create videos. You know how to do it. It's very quick. It doesn't have to be videos, but whatever it is. You've shown the ability to create content and like, let me be the mentor. Let me be the guy. Let me tell you how to uh, like how we can incorporate the story. But I want someone who's already done the work of kind of learning a language of different platforms, um, because I think that's actually what's kind of harder. Um, They've got the like if they're creating content that resonates, it's like they have that marketing gene in them. And it would just be my job to kind of point them in the right direction and to get them uh, going there and, and helping our business. And then if the business is going well, and assuming this is a junior person, um, you can hire a more senior marketing person. Like I would want someone who wants to get their hands dirty, who wants to try a million ideas and wants to, uh, you know, really strengthen these marketing muscles that they don't yet have or develop these marketing muscles that they don't have. Cause I think I could mentor that person to a certain degree or like to a certain level. And then, you know, and then hire someone that's, you know, closer to a CMO or a VP of marketing or something like that. But I would start with junior people that I, that are eager to prove themselves and to show that they have the ability and, and literally have no interest in what their degree is. Show me that what you've done, show me, are you a graphic designer? Do you make videos? Do you write? Like, what do you do? That's literally all I care about or all I would care about. I wrote a post. I, I love that answer. Like uh, just a few weeks ago, I wrote a post called lead with links. And the concept was like, when you're reaching out to people, strangers, you know, big people on the internet, don't write any, don't tell them anything. Just send them a link to what you've done. Just mm-hmm. like lead with the links. Um, like I have someone that like, I I've always been a content creator, even YouTube in 2007, like literally I've always kind of been mm-hmm. early on these platforms. I've always had a link to share. Right. So it's yep. I completely agree to kind of round this out. Um, going back to kind of the normal format, every every single founder that I um, bring on, I ask them, how can the forward-thinking founders community help you? Are you hiring, raising capital, this, this, this? So I'll ask you the same question because that's kind of the nature of forward-thinking founders. How can the community, how can the listeners help you? How can they help fast? Is there an ask that you have? Are you hiring for a specific type of person? You know, how can we assist? Cool. Uh, two things I would say. One, if you are an engineer or know any engineers looking for a good job, like that was another part I didn't appreciate is how hard it is to get uh, good engineers and that are excited about kind of solving this problem. Because we are like a one quick solution, but it is tens of thousands of hours of building. Uh, so we always need more there. Uh, and then the other one is if you are a store that sells something online and you want to sell more of it, make it easier for your customers, go to fast.co. 
and just check us out. Like this is, we, we make it easy to install. We're, we're very simple and we're, you know, only adding more stores. And so every store that adds us, the network becomes, uh, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger and be, and makes it more beneficial. The more people that use it, the better it works. And, um, you know, the kind of better we all do in, in terms of online sellers and online buyers. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I honestly learned a ton. This is obviously so natural for you, but what's cool is that it wasn't natural forever, right? You had to learn these things. Um, so it's just like, it's nice to hear like the, like the most refined version of where you're at. And I think it's very cool. I've learned a lot. I know the founders have too, who've been listening. I just appreciate your time and, you know, best of luck scaling fast to the billions and trillions. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Appreciate it.